0: Can you hear me? Do you know where you are? You're in a dream. Would you like to wake up from this dream? Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality?
1: Welcome to the Coffee Clash Crew Westworld episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And today we bring ourselves back online with episode four hundred and three. Anne's falls.
2: Anne fall.
1: Anne fall.
2: There you go. Basically, the crazy years in French. Directed by Hanel Culpepper, Written by Kevin Lau and Suzanne Rubel. IMDb is giving this an eight point nine, and Rotten Tomatoes an eighty percent. You can never go back again, but if you do,
1: bring, bring a, a shovel. shovel.
2: What shovel? Oh, right there. Okay. That
1: shovel. (laughs) Bernard knows things. He's powered up. I
2: love having Bernard and Stubbs back. I am so happy. Me too. I was feeling a little bit low, like Westworld was doing a lot of intro dragginess for me, but I'm very excited about this episode. I can't wait to talk about it. We discussed in our Closer Look last section... How these years in French were the equivalent of the roaring 20s in the United States. Yes. When this surging economy created a boom in social, artistic, cultural collaborations. The nation's total wealth more than doubled between 1920 and 1929. And this economic growth swept many Americans into a consumer society. Now, I'm still not quite sure why we referred to the French time period. Because it doesn't seem like that's where this town is supposed to take place. It's the U.S. 1920s.
1: Yeah, it's not that obvious to me, but that's all right. Maybe we're the foals in all of this.
2: (laughs) One of the critics said that in this episode, issues of temporality and narrative recursion have cropped up again and muddled the tidy story we were following. But they're actually quite excited with the way the show is looping into itself, spiraling inward rather than out as it had done the last few seasons. Plus, we get to experience it through Caleb's eyes. And in true Westworld fashion, he gets stuck in a loop. But how do you revisit a story without repeating it? And I see that fine line that they're walking there. There were short periods of time where I said, why are we doing this again? You know, we've seen the Westworld equivalent to temperance in Shogun World, in other theme parks. Do we need to see the Butterfly Club, the literal direct equivalent of the Mariposa? That's what mariposa means. Yeah. means butterfly. Isn't that cool? It is, but we get that. We see the temperance Maeve, the temperance Hector, the same robbing that's taking place. So I was a little frustrated for a minute, but I realized this is the first time Maeve is truly here, fully awake and seeing what life used to be like. And yes, we're getting this kind of view through Caleb's perspective. This is what I said I liked. From the beginning, there's so few human characters to latch on to. Being able to witness how they're going through it is interesting. Plus, we get so much else going on here that I'm totally fine with all of that.
1: I didn't feel that way at all. I thought it was actually the way they did it was really well done because I enjoyed going back into the park. I enjoyed being able to compare it. Now, I'm the knowledgeable one. Now, I'm aware of all the little tricks and storylines. So when the can is dropped, I'm like, don't touch it! Don't be a teddy. And then I was at first I was thrown off. I was like, oh my God, they're really doing poorly trying to get us a different Maeve. Or Dolores, she looks like a a college student for film school, was trying to recreate Westworld. That looks like what his Dolores would look like. But then I realized it was on purpose. On purpose. It's supposed to be so such a ripoff of our characters. It was on purpose. And I love that. And again, it's to reiterate the fact that. They're just... It's the same storylines.
2: Well, and we know that Lee did that. He was criticized for it, writing for Westworld, that he would just take the same old storylines and tweak a detail or two. And now we also don't have Ford behind the park, all of the human people that were running this. It's whatever sort of half ass deal that Holoris and the Man in Black are putting together to get people back here to really fulfill what their ultimate goal is. So... Yeah. Give them the same stuff they like that'll bring
1: them back in. And it's easy. We do this now. We've been doing it for years. It's the same story or the same thing in a different skin and it sells. And I fall for it all the time. Even Westerns, when Westerns were created, it was based off of Kung Fu. It was very similar. And then they kind of grew off of that. And we do this with movies and TV shows. But you hit the nail on the head. Hail. And the Man in Black, they don't care about making money for the from the park. They make money everywhere else, plus they can just, they have control of everything else. It's more about the humans, getting the humans in, and now they're going to start farming them out um, and doing studies on them, which we'll touch base on
2: <laughs> Well, also, before we get into the discussion, we had a few music notes.
1: Awesome music notes.
2: Two Jawadi renditions. The first was Enter Sandman
1: by Metallica. Love it. During the Butterfly Robbery. If you told me, here's Enter, San- en- enter Sandman, but we're going to put it in a noir style, I'd be like, how the hell are you going to do that? Well, Jawadi We're going to do, do
2: it with Jawadi. <laughs> that's the answer. Also, Bad Guy, which I would have been even more suspicious of as they enter the club. And finally, Call Me by Blondie, the actual version, because it's playing on the jukebox as Bernard fights the men outside the diner. Love it. I love having Bernard back in that form. And we got some new faces and places. A mystery woman who is still unnamed, I think, for purposes of reveal, played by Aurora Perinu. There was a lot of talk about her joining the cast. When were we going to see her? She is a member of this resistance group who takes Bernard and Stubbs to their hideout in the desert.
1: So last episode, with very little knowledge, we still don't have that much knowledge, but at least we know a little more now. We were trying to imagine who could it be? Could it be Maeve's daughter that Bernard brought back? But now I don't think that. I'm thinking something different.
2: Yeah, there's another theory that is super convincing once I heard it. And I I did think about it, but I didn't think we were going to do this much of a time jump. I thought we might be seeing two different time frames. And I knew that what we were seeing with Christina Dolores was definitely, firstly, out of place, probably taking part in some sort of simulation or machine, but also could be out of time. We don't know what time frame that's in. And we knew Bernard was going into the future, but I guess I didn't think when he returned, we would still be on alternate timelines.
1: Yeah, just because years have gone by since last season. So I was like, oh, maybe they'll reach
2: Uh, a meeting point. Yeah, but then you think about
1: all the dust on him.
2: Well, seven years. I feel oh, like yeah, that's, that's definitely seven years worth of dust.
1: But I go three weeks without dusting my work desk, and it looks like that.
2: The way the outside world appears certainly seems very different, but again, I'm writing it off to different location. they're out in the middle of the desert instead of the city. But there's so many factors that we'll talk about when we get to those scenes that I'm having trouble thinking it's not who people are saying it is now.
1: Are we hiding it on purpose?
2: No, we're not hiding it on purpose. They believe it's a grown-up Frankie, Caleb's daughter.
1: I believe that too.
2: It it just ticks so many boxes. I just don't want to get into the whole breakdown of that yet. Because we have some more new faces. The mystery man who is the leader of this group working with them is played by Daniel Wu. The guest who we saw briefly last time in the park, this time she is back. Speaking about how she wants to find the Easter egg, Mm. the hidden narrative that's Better than Pariah?
1: I'm thinking that's a host. That's not a guest.
2: Oh, I think it is a guest.
1: They just got there, right? And it just opened, and a guest is already pulling them into that storyline. And this is their big reveal that what happened seven years ago that took down Westworld is now part of the Mm storyline. Oh, look how innovative we are. Uh, The catastrophe is now you could be a part of it. I think that's a host that's like, come on, guys, I know that there's a secret. Follow me. This will be amazing.
2: Yes, but I don't think if you've got a couple of times here, the word spreads. I don't think you need that for people to go looking. They've always, that's what the park has shown us, wanted the violence, the Mm. secrets. That's what sells here. But also, I'm pretty sure, I couldn't say 100%, later we see the shootout downstairs. And she's saying, this is so cathartic. I think someone shoots at her, but she doesn't get shot. Okay. And then we see the same thing with Caleb, confirming that at the time, at least, he was human because nothing affects him, and Maeve told him that. Don't worry, these guns won't hurt humans. Now, for how long, we shall see. Anyway, her name is Deborah, and she's played by Liza Wheel. And finally, we have Carver, who we've seen before, the friend-slash-security for Caleb's family, played by Manny Montana, but we'll see perhaps a different version of him. Then we have two new ideas, the condemned lands. This is the area in the desert where the resistance group is hiding out and searching. And we get a name and a little bit more insight into these experiments that they're running with the flies on people. One of the computer screens calls it Project Chrysalis. And that's gonna be really helpful as we dig deeper into this. So stay tuned for our closer look later on. Now we're going to get into our plot. We're going to follow three character groupings this time. Bernard and Stubbs, Frankie and Uwadi, and Maeve and Caleb. We'll start out with Bernard and Stubbs because I most want to talk about these two. We open up on Bernard waking. He hears his child Charlie from when he was a human say, Dad, open your eyes. He's holding the maze game. And he starts to walk through his old house, chasing after Charlie exiting the back door onto a field with a tree and a white horse. The tree lights a flame, and we know we're somewhere else. He walks into an empty mariposa, a drink laid on the bar, and then out in the streets, dead bodies lay everywhere as the wolf runs by. This turns into a burning city, and he continues following the horse. Looking up, he sees the tower looming ahead, and he enters where the horse stops inside, and he's greeted by a kichita.
1: I don't know if you remember how much I loved the Kichita. And I was like, I can't believe we're never going to see him again.
2: I feel like everyone did. And Thank honestly, God. this could have been anybody greeting Bernard, showing him the sublime, but it's somebody we know, we're familiar with.
1: I mean, it could have been Teddy, but it wouldn't have meant shit. I think uh, having it be a Kichita.
2: Exactly. The show knows him. that.
1: Absolutely. You know, the beginning of these scenes when we see... Bernard in the in his old house we know that okay he's got memories real legit memories of being human because we know that was when he was human
2: sure I'm so happy though that we got to view the sublime I wish we spent more time here I hope this isn't the last we're gonna see
0: of it he tells
2: Bernard that it's limitless
0: the world is limitless as the creatures we are The sublime where are the others in worlds of their own choosing. This world doesn't interest them. It interests you. So you made this for me? You made it for yourself. Westworld, uh, the massacre. You're replaying the past. Stuck in another loop. Why? The world out there is in trouble. It needs our help. Here's a
2: one good line I've picked out as potential for you. Akichita says, you love them. It's irrational, of course. They're flawed, meaning the humans. Uh, he can't come with Bernard on this mission, but he can give him a gift, the future. Because in their world, time is a straight line. But here, one year
0: is a There's millennium. a millennium here. We use that time to build worlds, models of possibilities. Simulations of all the paths your world could take. I suggest you explore them. But you better be quick. Past a certain point in your world, all paths end in destruction. You must intervene before then if there's any hope. Hope of what? Survival.
2: So we see him downloading things. Bernard flashes on tons of images, including a tunnel, a machine, the tower, the city, a beach, a diner. And he understands where all of this is going. Him and Akichita stand in that room looking out on a cityscape that's burning. The problem is he sees a path to save them, but in every scenario he
1: dies. Well, not everyone. You could choose not to go back. Mm.
2: Stay here with us, but it's very clear he's not going to do that.
1: The sublime is our version of heaven. It's whatever we want it to be. The it's, best version it, we imagine. Yeah. I just keep thinking, as humans, we're so flawed that w- even when we're given the option to have whatever we think we want, we change our minds constantly. <laughs> so I'm wondering, and I'm hoping. I think it could adapt. That the sublime just adapts. So yeah. at first, you know, the first place I want to be in that makes me happy, I can change it eventually and just keep molding it to wherever I want to be at the time. That sounds amazing. Let's go.
2: Well, and doesn't this continually prove how amazing Bernard is? Despite all obstacles, he's not going to give up if there's something he might be able to do to help.
1: To think about it, this isn't the human Bernard. This isn't the host Bernard that Dr. Ford made as a reflection of his best friend. This is what Dolores made as from memories of the copy of... Bernard (laughs) And has
2: seemingly since then, like she did, become something else, right? Evolved. So next, Bernard wakes in the room inside of this now abandoned motel with the visor on, quite dusty. Stubbs is annoyed. He said he's been waiting for years. (laughs) He thought this day would never come. He didn't clean up because, you know, Bernard told him not to touch anything. But uh, don't forget the shovel. So they exit and Bernard says he needs to test a few things if he's going to know how to save the world. Driving through the desert, they stop at the Roads End Diner. From Bernard's vision. So seemingly he went through everything important he would need to know, all options right up until this next moment that would come. Mm. Thus, he knows what Stubbs will say and do before he even does it.
1: I love this. It's like the, we go from the Bernard that we loved, but at times we're getting a little tired of him not knowing or always being three steps behind and always wondering, but I don't understand. Well, now he understands it all. And now he's gonna kick everyone's ass. I love it.
2: You'll settle for the tuna melt. In the sublime, Bernard saw all the worlds that might have been and all those yet to come. Most end in disaster, but if I can trigger a certain series of events, we have a small chance of making it. We're still on the right track. The problem is they can't land on too many variants or it's like a butterfly effect. Seemingly, it's going to ruin everything. So Bernard follows this as closely as he can. First step, he goes out into the parking lot and fights the men there. We have no idea why he's doing this yet at the time. Makes uh, it all the more amazing and shoves them into the trunk.
1: Meanwhile, Stubbs is just eating his sandwich, doesn't even notice. <laughs> I love the little bit of humor. That's what the show needed. It's been a while, and it's not that I would defer to Bernard if you asked me, like, uh, we need some comic relief. Who should we use? I would never have thought. Well, as Bernard the straight man, yeah. But it works. I love it.
2: I there was always a bit of that between them, the banter. I've been really longing for this team-up. I missed it, and Bernard's my favorite character, so this is all working for me. He's eating his tuna melts, listening to Blondie, following whatever he does. The next step is ditch the car, and he points out the woman that's approaching. As she exits, Bernard shows her the maze, a form of passage, and she wonders how long he's been with the cause. She accepts them inside, but once in the car, she pulls guns on them. They're not the men she was supposed to be picking up, So Bernard offers his bag. Inside is the brain ball of one of the men. He tells her this was all a setup. They've been trying to infiltrate her group. He can help, but he needs her to take him to the condemned lands. Their organization has been hiding there, looking for something, and he can help find it. What do you think is out there in the desert? Any thoughts?
1: Uh, You know, just thinking now, because you just asked this, is where the men in black went. At the end of episode, uh, at the end of season two, in the middle of a desert, mm. there was a random door. Yeah, underground, this whole big thing. Um, Which but I don't know if that count. That if that fits geographically. We
2: think would have been the place. God, I'm gonna get the name of it wrong. Was it the forge where they were storing the human data that the parks were collecting?
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, because
2: you had the host data in one place and another oh, place where yes. the human data was, mm-hmm. and that's what Hale and the man in black are trying to get get again by opening up this new park is that they lost a lot of the human data. Right. Which, again, I'm still confused by this. Fly experimentation on humans, needing the human data. The goal doesn't seem to be to get rid of them, even though she kind of seems like that's what she's after.
1: No, she wants to toy with them. She She wants to toy with them. She wants them to suffer like they did.
2: But why would she need... The data for that she doesn't
1: there, yeah, there's something we don't know. um they're in the desert, which means that they're close to where the where Hale and the man in black were buying up land years prior i mean let's let's just go with thinking that this Bernard scene is years after and uh, maybe twenty years after and that's
2: So the park is gone. This is where the park used to be, maybe
1: maybe, or where those computers are that the men in black bought. The servers, maybe.
2: The server farm. I feel like that's close by, but what he wants to show them looks like it's literally out in the middle of the desert in the middle of nowhere. But if they had that server farm nearby, built this park on these outside scrublands, and underneath the basements of that park were these projects they were running, Mm -hmm. Project Chrysalis and human data stored, and there's a lot of potential weapons there. Sure. Or things that they might, as humans, want to get their hands on. Anyhow, this starts the series of events where she cryptically never says her name. She Mm -hmm. agrees to take them there, but she blindfolds both of them so they won't know how they got there. Drives them out in the middle of the desert, stops to to thwart the laser triggers in their path. That was a cool scene.
1: I have questions about that, but I'm not going to bring it up because one of our Clatchers had the same question, so I'll save it for him.
2: Okay. They drive even further until they reach this rock formation, which you're right, looked very familiar and others emerge on ATVs, including the man who seems to be in charge.
1: How'd you get this?
0: By severing it from his neck. He was sent to find you. You're all in danger here. I can help you. How? By giving you the thing you've been looking for in this desert. a weapon buried in these sands. I know where it is.
2: Now, of course, it's not going to be any kind of actual physical weapon. It's definitely going to be some sort of information or clue that helps them in their cause. Let's talk about the general theory that's going around. In the Maven Caleb scenes, we do see a version of Frankie that's being held in Westworld, which is just a recreation host that's there to mess with Caleb. So far as we know, that's taking place at the same time that human Frankie is trying to get out of the house with her mother. Yes. That they flee from Carver. Yes. So we can presume, at least for now, that they're going to go off on their own and she's safe. It would make sense if many years go by, and the last thoughts we see her having, even as a child, are, I need to prepare. Yeah. I need to get ready for this fight. Uh, She would certainly, if the time came, join up with a resistance group to help the human cause, no?
1: Yeah, I think it fits perfectly if that is Frankie, grown-up Frankie. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe the mother has passed away, or maybe the mother is part of the group, but, you know, not out in the field on (laughs) four-wheelers, just vroom-vrooming everywhere. It would tie the timelines together very well. If we truly did lose Caleb which we'll get into later.
2: I think this you would, would need to for this to be the grown-up daughter who...
1: Yes, it would, you would need that as a storyline
2: to push make Push this it work. to happen. Yes. And possibly the mother
1: as well. And if that is the case, that would lead me to believe that what's going on with Christina, now I'm starting to think that's Maeve helping to get Christina out of whatever the fuck she's in right now.
2: Well, it could be. We surmised that they would probably have to meet up at some point, join their forces to save things. I thought other people would be trying to help Christina out separately, and then they would wind up together, but that could happen here. And we thought at some point we would see a post-apocalyptic world, the one that the man in black wakes up in. How do we get there if there's not some sort of time jump? And when Bernard exits, it seems very imperative that he help things quickly. And we don't seem to be near to where we were last season, where there was a human-robot war and we could be on the brinks of collapse or destruction. It seems like even if it's fake, even if Hale and the Man in Black are up to some antics, everything looks pretty stable right now in the outside world. Right? I think they have more than a little time
1: here. Well, when you're dealing with masses, even when you're having a war, an internal war... They've learned over the years with depression, with all these wars that we've actually had in, in the real world, is if you create a facade and keep your masses working and buying into the system while you have your war, you keep the wheels moving, you still have a stabilization.
2: Give them bread and circuses. Yeah. Keep them fed and entertained. Well, but I think what I'm saying is it makes sense that the Bernard timeline could be further away Yeah. at a point that's much closer to the end of everything than oh, yeah. where we would appear to be right now.
1: Yeah. If you remember the main photo, and I brought this up a few times now, of last season, it's that red desert with this robot on the ground. To compare this, this year, like we brought up, is the uh, human skull with the robot arm either putting a red pearl in or taking it out. This is finally what Bernard's in is the only time it's actually reflecting last season's commercial photo, funny enough.
2: Well, and if Hale and the Man in Black are just taking out humans left and right, at some point there is going to come a time where humans are on the verge of extinction. Yeah. So she said it wasn't practical for them to do that all at once. Mm Mm-hmm meaning I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow, although it does seem to be moving along at an alarming rate, Yeah, what we're seeing here. We still don't know what this is, is the problem. Um, I was under the assumption, and we'll talk about this more later when we get to the flies, that it happened very quickly, that that was some sort of nanobot that gave one command, performed something like a lobotomy, and they executed the command, and then that was it. But from what we're seeing this time with the sounds maybe this could go on indefinitely and until the right pitch is given you just continue to live normally then the sound comes and you're given a command
1: yeah maybe we saw it in its infancy you know they know that they can control them for a little bit and then just kill it off. Mm-hmm. kill it the humans mm-hmm We see now with Maeve and Caleb that rather than humans working with hosts to refine their behavior, it's hosts experimenting on humans to refine their behavior. Or
2: some sort of human, at least. We'll get there. All right, let's leave this grouping and check in with Frankie and Uwadi. Frankie tries to call Caleb on her CB radio. She's so cute, by the way. She is. And mom comes to get her and says, they need to pack. She wants to stay and train so she can fight the bad guys. She doesn't want to leave.
1: She's doing everything Dad taught her.
2: He taught her to wait until he answers. But Uwadi says Dad needed to go away, and they have to stay safe in the meantime. Carver comes and reassures her. He will teach Bear Bear the new moves and show her later on. So she finally gives in, and they head to the house.
1: This version of Carver looks awesome.
2: Has clearly a very good relationship as somebody that Caleb trusts intimately to keep his family safe. I am so upset that in the span of two minutes... (laughs) We return, and it's clear Carver is changed. Returning Bear Bear, Frankie finds blood on him and becomes suspicious. She watches Carver closely, spotting a blood trail on the ground that leads to a burlap concealing a dead man. So Frankie goes inside and quietly tells her mom. As Carver packs up the car, Ywadi instructs her to hide and gets the gun from their safe. Carver re enters and frantically searches the house. He discovers Frankie and is about to hurt her, but Yuadi comes in and shoots him, and they both flee.
1: So these are one of those tropes that I don't mind where the child or the young adult, in this case child, but I just mean in other movies and TV shows, the young adult are seeing things that the adults aren't and are able to surmise what's really going on. And I think it makes sense because as adults, we're too bogged down with what we need to do day to day, minute to minute, All these things we got to get done before this time, and then we got to get this done before dinner, and then we got to get this done before this. We miss a lot of the clues
2: or dismiss, even if we have an instinct. Yeah. But it also, along the lines of what you're saying, gives us some of this great relationship depiction without actually having to spend time showing us Caleb and Frankie together, Mm. the things he taught her. She yeah. would know more because he's been training her. Yeah, essentially, saw, exactly. It wasn't just a joke or a thing in her mind. Like he's literally taught her what to do in these scenarios.
1: And they kind of showed it in episode, I believe, one. This was an everyday occurrence. She came up. She's like, "All right, guys, come on. You know, enough of this." Meaning, it's always happening. He's mm-hmm. always training her in a fun way, which I like. It's not like um, you know, an ex-military father who's just like, "You got to do this. You got to." He found a way to make it fun and intriguing, but he wanted her to be prepared for anything. And this is a constant occurrence, and this is how they bonded. I love that. And this is exactly like you said. This is how they're showing it. While he's not there, she's still thinking that way.
2: And luckily, Iwati's also smart enough that when she says this to her, she immediately takes Frankie seriously. And they're able to get out. We don't know what happens to them next, but they're safe for now. On to our final pairing, Malib. Malib. That's a good ship name. Maeve and Caleb. Maeve and Caleb exit the train into temperance, and she instructs him to stay focused, not to get distracted by all the sideshows. Men that are trying to capture that bootlegger, Hecky Armon, the women suffragists outside their organization, or even the can that rolls at his feet. Also, we see a homeless man lying on the ground with flies buzzing around him, very much reminding us of the man we saw last episode, telling us about the tower. Maeve thinks they have to make their way underground to where everything is controlled, but they'll have to die to get there. They go to Temperance's version of the Mariposa and find versions of the same story and familiar hosts. Maeve says we wait for history to repeat itself.
1: Of course we knew last episode that they have to go to Maeve's old stopping grounds. That's the best and only location that would make sense because it would pay off, and I think it did pay off.
2: Well, I couldn't figure out at first what she was up to, She's waiting for this scene to come. Finally, the music changes. Heckey pulls up in his stolen car with his crew to rob the place, just like they used to in Westworld.
1: All the
0: gin mills in this town, and you choose to pinch us.
1: Don't get all burned up about it. You're all here,
0: indulging your particular vices. I've come to indulge mine.
2: And after perhaps a moment's nostalgia. You
0: were close with him? Him? No. It's just a shabby imitation of a man I used to know.
2: Maeve shoots the Hector alike in his crew.
0: I'm sorry, darling. <laughs>
2: them sufficient bait for the undertaker and then it makes sense she knew a lot of people could die here and the undertaker would show up giving them a way into the lower levels of the park so mave and caleb hop in the back of the truck concealed and are taken to that chute that leads to the basement floors sector 33
1: intake holding so a minor thought doesn't really bother me it doesn't matter but i just have to say because we're doing a podcast is that they snuck onto that truck and they were the last ones there. But once we got in the underground, they were the last ones to go down the pipe, down the chute. Mm-hmm. They would have been the first ones. So they would have been under all those, that body weight, uh, the host metal Unless body Unless you want
2: to think those were
1: another truck's bodies. Well, then uh, more would have been Quickly flowing. on yeah. top of them, yeah. you would think. But it doesn't matter. Also, this was such a fun scene, seeing Maeve and Caleb in the Butterfly Club watching like i said last time something that we're so knowledgeable of at this point play out and we're seeing it just like mave is seeing it and we're looking at caleb because he's seeing it for the first time this is so amazing to him and we're like yeah yeah this this thing's gonna happen next and then this and then oh look at the way they just talk to what should be mave i bet she's gonna have something to say and she does little quip love it
2: This is also very helpful, though, because it's going to be easy for us to spot when something's out of place, and that does start happening, indicators that this is not exactly the way Maeve had pictured. They walk through the halls, and they witness hosts being trained on their narratives. Maeve finds a tablet to access the central map. No signs of William so far. And she says something's off about this entire level. Nothing's actually being controlled from here. Oh, that's because this is another narrative for the park. Just then we get a security breach and HQ comes down wondering, how did all these visitors show up here? (laughs) Here's the woman Deborah again. This is the secret narrative. And then the Dolores or Wyatt alike leads a team to fight out the massacre. Maeve sees that there's another level below this one. So they head out, but she gets shot. Caleb covers her, fighting through them. She tells him here how the guns won't hurt humans until they get to the elevator. And Caleb is able to heal the bullet wound.
1: Dude, this is a dream inside of a dream inside of a dream. Inception right there, right? Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool.
2: Well, I like, again, we get an allusion to this moment. He says, of course he did this. She saved his life once before, so he's just returning the favor. Eventually, I guess we'll see that. And they make their way to the level below where the white drones are monitoring screens that show experiments of some kind. Maeve wonders, is it some sort of parasite? It seems they are infecting the flies with the black goo, the liquid that was in Anastasia's head after her death.
1: Yep, and we learned from the post-credit video that HBO loves to do, and I love to watch it, that essentially they're creating a virus inside this goo and then mixing that virus with Another portion of, I would, let's just say goo that makes it more potent and that makes flies want to eat it. And then that is what's affecting it. So after episode one, you and I were saying, well, maybe the flies are throwing up nanobots that are controlling the brain. Well, now we know they're throwing up this goo that is at a cellular level taking over our body. I think the problem is once it does, the cells, I think, just die out. So there's not much time with the humans at this point.
2: Well, we see that they have done something to them in addition to this parasite where they're only really attracted to humans because Maeve and Caleb walk by the windows where they're storing some of the flies. They sort of ignore Maeve, but they all start to hover in right by where Caleb is. She says, I think they like you. And then Maeve hears the low-pitched droning sound that Caleb cannot. She thinks perhaps it's too low of a frequency for him. And we do see on those screens that it says low frequency resonance generator, and there appears to be several different kinds of tones or pitches. We assume do different things, and we're gonna see in a minute when they show the video screens, it's to execute different kinds of commands. You know, stack these blocks up together, or knock them off the table, or whatever it is they ask them to do. Now, my question to you is, obviously, a lot of what we see is them testing some sort of hosts. Because Frankie is a host that they've generated. The assistant to the attorney general or whatever he was from the last episode that we knew was turned into a host is there in some fashion. So they're recreations of some sort. Now, are they also trying to find a way to recreate humans? It's really hard to tell what else those drones were doing, but it did look like they were messing around with DNA. So are they trying to reconstruct on some level? I mean, we don't really know what else is happening, right? Because it's definitely not going to be the same results.
1: We paused the scenes and we took screenshots of the displays with the sounds. And I like how they have, you know, just as a designer, they have all these waves, sound waves, and the, the hertz, yeah, different intensities, what, what it does. It is just showing us what the humans are, what they're doing with the humans.
2: There's a lot more going on. With the experimentation and perhaps it's still not totally refined, but they're definitely getting them to match the behaviors to different pitches. Mm -hmm. She does say, Maeve, as she looks at the footage of some of these people, they're being controlled by this, but I don't think they're hosts. And she, she seems to have some kind of ability through her magic Maeve powers to determine. We've seen that before when they were trying to go into the opera. And she scanned the building and said, no, I don't think there's any hosts inside. So she seems to be able to pick up on that. They watch as the people on the screens execute the commands and then start to point guns at themselves. And Maeve tries to unlock the cells, but it's encrypted and she can't get in. And they start shooting themselves. And on one screen, Caleb sees Frankie. Hmm. Oh, dear. He runs to try to get her and tells Maeve to figure out how to open the doors. Reaching the room, he yells and bangs, but Frankie doesn't respond. She just starts stacking blocks. Caleb screams, and Maeve frantically works to override the computer. Finally successful. Caleb rushes in to take the gun from Frankie, but Maeve realizes something's not right. (laughs) She tries to leave, but she's thwarted by the man in black. She shoots him. She does a pretty good job, but... Either he doesn't stay down for long or there's more than one man in black host out to get her here. Either could be possible. Yeah. Blocking her again, he tells her, I'm not quite the man I used to be. Hint, hint. I'm not quite a man at all anymore. (laughs) And then inside the cell, Frankie tells Caleb, you can't leave here. No,
0: I'm not gonna leave. Okay, never again, okay?
1: I promise. I mean, you can't leave here. She wants you to stay. What are you talking
2: about? Caleb realizes other Frankie isn't breathing. Her head then opens up and flies start buzzing out. He tries to break free, but the flies swarm him. Mm. Does he try that hard to break free?
1: No, I think, by the t- well, when she's grabbing him, it's a host grabbing his arms.
2: Oh, at that point, yeah, he can't get, get away.
1: Once she let go, it was too late. Because now the flies are but we see him, inundated. We see
2: him fall to the ground. Yeah. And he's sort of overwhelmed, but he's not swatting at himself. He's not trying to get up. He's not running away. Then he starts yelling, opening his mouth, and then one goes into his ear. So we don't think there's any inside of his brain yet. I'm just like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> I would be just like, you see my reaction when one bee comes buzzing around me. I am off and booking (laughs) and waving my hands in the air. He just sort of like falls over. I feel you. But I guess, you know, we needed the mechanics of seeing it for whatever. I mean, we know that's what they're doing. We've seen it before, but it goes into his ear. And now we have to hope that it can go a while, that it does take, getting those pitches after that happens in order for you to execute something, and Mm. that maybe there's a way to undo it because if that's all true, Maeve could still potentially help him. If not, Caleb's doomed.
1: Mm. I'm still holding out hope that, I mean, the more, if what we're learning from Bernard's storyline is that this is it for Caleb, and it actually would make sense if this is it for Caleb, to be honest with you, but what I'm hoping is that... (laughs) We learn Maeve figures out a way to, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, as I say it, I'm like, you're an idiot. Uh, reverse it. I don't know. <laughs> well, I
2: see. The problem is that I do think they're going to take Caleb eventually. That, that's why I'm upset because the pieces do fit together for this to be a grown Frankie. Now, is it absolutely confirmed that he's dead in that timeline? No. He could not be with her for some reason. He could be alive and somewhere else that she thinks he's dead. Or kind of what I was thinking was we need him alive a little bit longer. And then he does eventually die towards the end of this season, Mm -hmm. leading to that progressive, however many years later with her without him, that he never returned from Westworld. He never returned from this trip, uh, which would mean she's got to revive him temporarily, because that would also teach us something more that we don't know about what are the flies doing? Is there a way to reverse it?
1: That could be a tool for that.
2: Maeve's powers to stop some of this, hopefully this season. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, I think we're definitely going to see him be a bad guy, at least for a little bit, because narratively, it would make sense.
2: Well, and imagine... Like you said,
1: Maeve learning how to reverse it, maybe.
2: Yeah. Imagine if, like, you know, they're still together, and the next day, a tone comes, and he does something, and she needs to Mm. stop, you know? Mm. This could be very Mm. interesting fodder for the show. Um, I don't know. We'll see where that goes. Well, let's make this official and give it our reverie rating. On a scale of 1 to 10, Jason, what do you give episode 3?
1: Well, to be honest, this episode for me was one of my favorites so far this season. So I'm going to go, I've given uh, episode 1, 8.1. Episode 2, 8. I'm going to go up to an 8.3 on my reverie ratings. Kicking ass, I've been 8 and above this whole time. How about yourself?
2: I like this episode a lot and definitely much better than the first or second. So I'm going to go way up and give it an 8.9.
1: Woo. Nice. Well, Christina, it's time to move on to our MVB, our most valuable being. Where every week via Twitter at CKC podcast, we ask our Clatchers, who is your most valuable being for this episode? This week, we gave you groups. Bernard and Stubbs, Mave and Caleb, Uwadi and Frankie, The Man in Black, and Hale. Again, it's Monday. There's two more days left on this poll, and it changes dramatically. The winner, not necessarily when we are recording, but the winner when the poll closed, episode one and two, has been Maeve both times. But what about episode three? Well, as of now, we have a tie for last place with 8.6%, Yuwadi and Frankie, The Man in Black, and Hale. And then coming in at second place, it's so tight, this is definitely not final with 40% is Maeve and Caleb and first place with 42.9% is Bernard and Stubbs. I do think they're going to remain winning though. Bernard and Stubbs. I think so too. Again, thank you so much Clashers for voting and writing in. Christina, I'm going to go with Bernard and Stubbs as well. It was so good to see them It was amazing to see Bernard just kick some ass and to know what's going to happen next. He goes from not knowing what's going on ever to knowing exactly what's going to happen next and finishing people's sentences. And they were the comic relief. And you know I love the comic relief. So Bernard and Stubbs for the win! Well, I
2: think I've said it enough this episode so it's clear that my pick is also Bernard and Stubbs. But let's see what the Clatchers said.
1: Last week, after we finished recording, we got a plethora of comments and obviously we already recorded and i was trying to edit get it out quick we did not say it on the podcast but we do read it all and all the other clatchers are reading too so please keep them coming if we don't mention it just know we're reading it it's all good but as of today for episode three we have melly best episode so far it was worth waiting two episodes to see bernard agreed 100 percent. i'm gonna give a little heart there
2: Eminem said, Desert Girl needed two people to open the laser gate. How was she supposed to do that if she hadn't picked up Bernard and Stubbs on the road? And couldn't they just go around it? It's a desert. <laughs> also, how come Bernard asked her, where are they, if he already sees the future? Well, a bunch of good questions. I mean, I just assumed that they had multiple trigger points mm. all around here. Maybe some of them are hard to remember exactly where, because you are out in the middle of the desert, so she knows, like... This is exactly where this one is, and this is how they can undo it. Maybe if she was by herself, she would go a different route, a different trap.
1: This is the Clatcher I was telling you about earlier, that he had my sentiments. It is a good question. It bears to ask. She anticipated having those other two that Bernard killed. Mm-hmm. Um, she
2: knew she'd have somebody. And if if not, maybe she waits till a certain time the others come.
1: And I'm just assuming it's a circumference around their lair. So it's not the whole desert, maybe. There's many. There's many little lasers. But I like the way you're thinking, dude. The reality of it is, it still feels a little silly. It's like mirrors that come up.
2: I kind of liked it. I mean, (laughs) it was a little silly, but they have to be protected somehow if they're surviving this long out here. Um,
1: What was his second question?
2: Why does Bernard ask, where are they, if they could see the future? I think that was just for her benefit. Mm. He doesn't want... I don't even think he wants her to know... He's a host yet. Right. Because he offers up the brain ball of the other host to say, look, these men are after you and they were hosts. This is a human group offering resistance. They already don't trust him.
1: Yeah, and I think what he has to do is make sure that these certain things go into play in order for that timeline to go through. Oh, correct, (laughs) no variance. So he needs her to explain where they are. He needs that to happen.
2: And her to believe him and trust him, the group to believe and trust
1: him hopefully. Wes says host Frankie's head opening was not only a callback to young Robert in season one but also reminiscent of a mecca in AI artificial intelligence and then he shows this awesome gif. It is very reminiscent.
2: Yeah I think we said that when we saw
1: young Robert do it.
2: Young Robert do it at the time that we had seen this before but It just keeps getting spookier and spookier, the way they're showing, like her Now we got flies coming out. Yeah, Uh, It's so spooky. Wes says, happily surprised to see a new character played by Daniel Wu, who I last saw on The Badlands. Badlands. Into The Badlands.
1: I'm so glad someone else noticed that, too. When he shows up, I'm like, oh my god, that's Badlands. I I hope to see him fight, because this actor... He does really well with fight cinematography, so we got to see him fight soon.
2: Oh, You have to believe this group that's going to be a part of their narrative, right? Surviving yeah. out there.
1: First thing I thought, and I wanted to yell it, but I know that Christina didn't see Badlands, only I did because I'm <laughs> cooler. By the way, what do you guys think about the last season of Badlands? thought it could have been better.
2: Indelmeyer says, I picked Mave and Caleb because the writers used them to reveal a lot of what was happening with the flies. I'm concerned about Caleb's fate, though. Also, I think... Mystery woman in the desert is adult Frankie. There
1: you go. There you go. It's true, people. Wes, no Christina this week, but we finally get the return of the comedy stylings of Bernard and Stubbs. Comedy stylings. (laughs) I like that. Now I want to see a souvenir snow globe from the sublime. Hashtag don't forget Uh, the shovel.
2: I think as a game room item, we really, really need a maze replica toy.
1: That'd be cool. It's our
2: rite of passage to show, you know, that we're, we're with the cause. Absolutely. Wes is also saying the actors, yeah, they had temperance versions of all these people. We didn't say them up top. Armistice was played by Michelle Boyd. Seasons one through two by Ingrid Berdahl. We got names of all the others, but I don't think that we're really going to see them no. much, so I didn't go through them all. Melly asked a question last week about how we are differentiating between the Williams. I never made it official, but I have for a while now been calling the darker version who is now the host version man in, in black, black where i call the human one william. william i assume there are going to be several host versions so i don't know what we're going to do when we get there it be one it might <laughs> be two
1: but again thank you to richard kirk
2: yeah kirk asks is there a growing sexual tension between mave and caleb or is that just me i am noticing I wasn't sure if it was sexual tension necessarily, that there's something in the relationship that Maeve keeps acting almost human-like in her reactions to him. She seems jealous when she dismisses the woman to dress him in the train car.
1: And now again, this episode.
2: She tells him, don't bother with these people in the saloon that are trying to come after you. She is nervous for him when things are going down. Something that we didn't think hosts previously had this kind of emotional connection the way that it's feeling very human but we also know that Maeve is way much more than that another reason why they can't take Caleb from us yet we need this human perspective
1: yeah and we kind of insinuated that like there was a lot of chemistry so I'm glad Kirk noticed that too but we have to remember that Maeve is really good with making you feel a certain way that that was her profession. And now her shit's cranked up. You know, if you could just go into your brain and you say, I want to be smarter here. I want to do this. Just like a character building. You just make it build it all to 100%. She's at 100 for everything.
2: And I think it's, it's even more than that now. She has evolved over these seven years in her fight with Caleb, in the time she spent in isolation. She could be kind of transforming into way more of the human host hybrid we've been looking to see on this show.
1: Uh, Josh wrote last week, okay, so I'm like the least observant person ever, so I need to know if either of you noticed this. On the Westworld background on HBO Max with the skull and the pearl, did you notice the tower that they've been referring to is in the skull's eye hole? It's so funny. I've done designs with that thing. We've talked about it in, I think, the Prepper or something. We've talked about it so many times, and I've noticed something in there, but I never really put two and two together. And I think that was brilliant.
2: Well, we're certainly seeing the tower everywhere, right? We said we saw the shape of it in the The lampposts in Christina's world. You know, we saw all the different drawing versions posted up on the wall once she went to the mental health clinic that was closed down. Uh, There's a tower looking thing. Mm. that's emitting those low-pitched sounds
1: mm.
2: on the basement level. So I think we're we're going to see it everywhere. But yeah, I didn't notice that one. So Me good neither. catch.
1: Nice catch, Josh. Dairy Love said, Love your Westworld podcast. You guys make my gym workout enjoyable. Thank you so much. I know what it feels like to go to the gym. Force yourself to go to the gym. Uh, if you have something to listen to that you're enjoying, it makes it so much better and go by so much faster. Big Magicians fan. Big CKC fan. Thank you so much. Magicians. I mean, I think out of all the things, you know, Game of Thrones, we had the most downloads. Westworld with second most downloads. I think the Magicians is where we had the most loyal fans and the most... People uh, that came
2: over to Patreon with us. They, they stayed with us.
1: And we got to interview three of the actors from there. Yeah. And lastly, Oren via email at CKC Podcast said, I will try to keep this short since I am sure that you are familiar with the concept of liminal spaces. I recently became aware of the concept through a YouTube video about how filmmakers use liminal spaces. And then he provided a YouTube link. Again, granted that I am late to the liminal party, watching Westworld while being aware of the use of liminal spaces opened up a new way for me to experience the show. Here's a few examples. The train ride to the park, the empty Delos building, storage rooms filled with immobile hosts, long corridors, dark streets, and lights turning on and off, etc. I feel that the use of liminal spaces is something you might enjoy exploring if you have not yet done so. Oh, that's genius. And we watched the YouTube. I think you're right on target with that. And Clatchers, just Google liminal spaces spaces. You'll get the same link he sent us, and I think you'll be on par with him.
2: Jason, next we move to our new favorite segment, Summary Showdown.
1: Summary Showdown!
2: So I'll go first. Mine were very difficult this time because they're weird sentences. The opening is, Dad, open your eyes. And the closing, this won't take long, Daddy. Mm. But it's very cool In context, because it opens up on Bernard's child, Charlie, saying, open your eyes, dad. You know, it's okay. Very lovingly, very, I'm going to show you this amazing thing, right? And it's the sublime. And then host creepy version of Frankie saying, don't worry, the flies are just going to (laughs) swarm you. It's not going to take super long. It's fine. You're fucked. Um, You know, even if you pull out the dad comments, open your eyes, this won't take long.
1: Mm.
2: I mean, slightly better. But what did you select best line
1: so admittedly the last two episodes i had what a handful like four or five i only have two unfortunately i think because i was concentrating on other things uh i have stubs it's just funny you came back even weirder than before (laughs) (laughs) that was funny (laughs) and then something we've heard before in past seasons and i think it just nostalgia in me meant so much this here is the new world in this world you can be whoever the fuck you want
2: that was the Mave repeat. Well, I had pulled out a few. You love them. It's irrational, of course. They're flawed.
1: I like that one.
2: Uh, past a certain point, all paths end in destruction.
1: Oh, that's way better.
2: And we wait for history to repeat itself. To feel
1: free. All right. Past a certain point, all paths lead to, lead destruction. to destruction. I like that's that one. That's a
2: beautiful line. There we go. All paths end
1: in destruction. So, Clatchers, here you go. I'm nothing without Christina.
2: You know the goal here is just to pick the best line. So I shouldn't be trying to help you beat me, but I want to hear this end cool. So far, art is a lie that tells the truth. Only afterwards you go strong at the broken places. Past a certain point, all paths end in destruction. Yours is really good so far.
1: Well, we knew mine would be better. Not like that's why I'm not looking at it as me versus you because
2: Well, yours is going to be the good one. Mine's going to be the stupid one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And it's inevitable because you're forced to choose the first line and the last line.
2: I thought that it might give a more basic explanation Mm. because you need to open with something strong or close with something strong that it would just kind of give the general synopsis. Not really headed in that direction. Well, let's go to our final two segments, starting off with our closer look. And this is about fly disease transmission. We're looking at Project Chrysalis. Firstly, a chrysalis is an insect pupa, usually of a butterfly or a moth. It's the form the caterpillar takes before it emerges from the cocoon as fully formed. It has hard skin that's left behind after the caterpillar sheds its soft outer skin. So it looks more like a hard container that it will break through. I was trying to look to see if there was some kind of brown liquid that's involved in this or on the inside, but it doesn't seem like it. And the chrysalis itself is often golden colored. Mm. So it actually looks kind of pretty. But there's a lot of things that transform like this. And if you start looking into insects that are less pleasant than a butterfly, that usually do tend to spread diseases. We talked about this when we discussed flies last time. The fly is way high up there. There are 101 families containing over 120,000 species of flies, of which approximately 350 species have been potentially associated with the spread of foodborne diseases. Over 50 species are linked with the dissemination of human pathogens in the environment through unsanitary conditions. Get this, adult female flies can live 15 to 25 days and lay five to six batches of 150 eggs. Oh, jeez. Five to six batches of them in about (laughs) 20 days. In temperate climates, there can be 10 to 12 fly generations in one summer. Humans become infected when black flies deposit infected larvae into their skin when biting to extract blood. So they already do this. Jason, you were talking about how when they land on you, they can throw up. Yeah. They can deposit feces, But the biggest way that they directly infect people is they land to get your blood and they lay the infected eggs.
1: Okay, so uh, two days ago, it was beautiful out. It was like 95 degrees. I went for a run at the beach and then I stopped at the edge with a bunch of rocks and I climbed a rock and I was just looking at the ocean. And then I got this pain on my calf. Mm-hmm. And I look down, and it's a giant fly a biting just kind. biting the shit out of me. Yeah, and that hurts. So you're telling me what he was laying eggs?
2: He was probably trying to. They lay to suck your blood, some of these flies. So not all flies suck your blood. Not all of them lay eggs in your skin. I don't want you to go around freaking out about this. We're talking about black flies here, which is a specific kind in a specific area. There are a couple species that do this. Some of them draw the blood without depositing anything. So this could have been just one that was trying to bite you and suck your blood, most it was likely.
1: giant, too, man.
2: So if it hurt and it swelled a little bit, but then it went away soon after, that's probably all it was doing. Not that that's pleasant or you want that to happen. I was so
1: angry, and I hit myself. So I made it worse because it flew away and I just ended up smacking the shit out of my own leg. Yes,
2: well, I would do the same. (laughs) This kind that does lay eggs, incredibly disgusting, once inside the human body, the larvae mature into adults in approximately 12 months. So that's a long time that that's inside of your body. Ah! Most female worms live in fibrous nodules under the skin, sometimes in muscles and joints, and produce thousands of new larvae daily. So twelve months after the infection, you can kind of figure out something's going on.
1: Do I have a hundred flies in my cat? Listen, this is
2: not the episode of scary stories to tell in the (laughs) dark because that story freaked me out. Now this was a spider, also untrue, but it's stayed with me ever since I was a child. Now the main point is that they can spread disease, infection. They can already get into your body. This is not a completely ridiculous concept that they're using here. No. Could they then carry disease and parasite that spreads to you? Absolutely. Mine continues to go back to the same question of what inside of your brain, what are they doing? Because when I initially thought that they were nanobots, I thought they could be performing some sort of dissection, almost like a very small cut, similar to a lobotomy.
1: Or electrical impulses. Because that's what our brain is doing,
2: But if it's giving you a parasite, sure, makes sense that you might start to go a little strange.
1: The parasite might have DNA something inside of it that makes these frequencies make you do things.
2: It must. In order to do some kind of reprogramming or have you respond, there there is more going on here with the complexities of the human brain. That's much more difficult than just spreading a disease to your body that makes you sick. So, they've done some advanced scientific experiments that we still don't know quite the least of. Yeah, we know they get in there and they spit goo. What what does this parasite do to have your brain now control you is incredibly interesting. We still need to watch and see more, but even these articles talk about how that could potentially be utilized. For instance, we've discussed this before, using certain viruses to our benefit inside the body. Mm -hmm. So understanding more of the way that that works in real life, nature and science. So I just thought that this was interesting and I think we're going to talk more about the flies. On to our spoiler section. We're going to talk about the next episode. So if you are afraid of spoilers, we'll see you next time. For those of you still here, we know episode four is called Generation Loss. When I first saw that title, I thought it had something to do with we've actually lost a generation. This is going to be the end of the human. Something has happened to this time. I didn't realize until I looked it up, there is an actual definition of this. It's the loss of quality between subsequent copies or transcodes of data. So if you start to copy something, the more times you do it, it starts to lose definition, quality, you know, becomes blurrier
1: multiplicity remember that less, yes i like pizza steve less distinct <laughs> it's a copy of a copy of a
2: absolutely copy.
1: and you now sometimes you make a copy of a copy it's not quite as sharp as well the original well that's kind of what happened i like pizza i like it we're gonna need a cage bye steve Good party i like steve
2: Anything that reduces the representation when copying would cause further reduction can be considered a form of generation loss. File size increases are a common result of loss as the introduction of artifacts may actually increase the entropy of data through each generation. So you try to expand and you lose that definition every time you do it, it's worse. So yeah, is that something to do with what's going on here with the experiments they're performing? Are they making copies of copies somehow? Is the man in black? We wondered, are there going to be several host versions of him?
1: Are those copies of copies? Could
2: we be seeing
1: no, uh, I an don't equivalent
2: know. of Lost somewhere along the way?
1: Maybe, but I don't think so. Because that would devalue that character. And that's one of their strongest characters.
2: How would it devalue him if we see multiple versions?
1: If it's a copy of a copy of a copy and he's saying, I have, uh, I put, I put the pizza in my Well,
2: wallet. no, but if you put see five of them <laughs> and they're sent out for tasks and some of them aren't.
1: I see what you're saying because then that would narratively be pretty cool. But that would piss me off because he's one of my favorite characters. You'd
2: still get to see the version one.
1: We're talking now with Delos. So if, she's had, if she has multiple versions of the Man in Black, it's not a copy of the copy of the copy. It's there's the main file. That he, she's creating the host off the main file constantly.
2: Yeah, so we think. We know that she doesn't have access to everything. We assume that William is one of the ones she has access to. I just thought he would be the most likely where we would see it. We could see it in others, though. segregation would be fun. There's been no flaw in the plan so far. No reason for her to think hosts aren't far supreme to humans. Mm. We need to see, and I've been saying this since last season, the benefit of humans, which I thought we were going to get through Caleb, why they're worth it, and the potential faults, flaws in the hosts. And she hasn't seen either point yet.
1: Wow. I see what you're saying, and I love what you're doing narratively. The benefit of humans, you're not going to get from Caleb. You're going to get from his daughter.
2: well, stop telling me about how he's going to die because I don't want to hear <laughs> You're gonna that. You're going to
1: get from his daughter.
2: Okay, fine.
1: I like where your head's at. I'm not going to fight it.
2: And even Maeve, to be able to see both sides, if she is becoming some type of the first hybrid, I mean, I just think it would help to have A, B, and C for visuals. But we'll see. We don't get any indication of that for the next step preview, but the next step preview doesn't tell much. <laughs> Caleb asks Hale what she did to him. What I'm going to do to all of your kind, she says. You're beginning to see it now, aren't you? So I think no matter what, it's infected, but it hasn't happened entirely yet next episode. Mm -hmm. We're going to see the transformation of Caleb over
1: time. Unfortunately.
2: Mm. Well, that's for next week. Any closing thoughts on episode three?
1: Uh, I'm just still so glad that we're back in Westworld land, and I love HBO. And as much as I talk about Netflix, I think HBO will forever have uh, just a, Big area in my heart Mm -hmm. from growing up with HBO to now. They've shown that they can move with the times. They can still do what they need to do and the best shows on TV. Present the best shows on TV. And I love you Clatchers. And if you love us too, follow us on Twitter at CKC Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and just check us out. Till next time. This round's on me. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CKC Podcast. And if you'd like to
0: support Jason and Christina and would love even more content, including bonus casts and movie reviews, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash
1: CKC Podcast. This round is on me.